The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Titan Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. It is free agency uh, frenzy time in the NFL, not to steal the NFL Network's uh, phrase that they name their incessantly long free agency analysis show about. We're not going to be four hours every day. We're only going to be one hour right now talking about the uh, the Titans' free agency moves. Um, as we're recording this, Ndamukong Sue is in Nashville somewhere, so uh, we'll see how that ends up. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but let's talk about some of the things regarding the Titans that we already know. Before we get into to Malcolm Butler and Dion Lewis, let's talk about some of the in-house players that the Titans made decisions about. Let's talk about some of the ones that they lost. Uh, Avery Williamson heads to the New York Jets on a three- or four-year contract, Um Matt Castle out the door, Denor Searcy gone, uh, Eric Weems gone, and DeMarco Murray gone. And I think really all of those were moves that could have been easily expected, especially uh, Murray and Castle. Um, so, so let's kind of hit on Avery Williamson. And if you listen to this podcast, you know how the three of us feel about Avery Williamson. Uh, great guy, bad linebacker. I think we'll all just agree on that, right? Yeah. I, I didn't even like Avery Williamson, but by the end of the season, I felt uh, that I was a stan of his just because everyone hated him so much. Uh, but I didn't like him either, so I really don't mind that he's gone. He can cover anyone, uh, and anyone who tries to tries to tell you that he could is absolutely lying to you. And if they cite that PFF statistic of like coverage yards per snap given up, it's because I, I actually don't know why it was. But he was a terrible linebacker. In coverage, he was fine in the run game, uh, but he really never made impact plays. 
is how many tackles for loss did you see him make um, over the course of his career here? The only, really the only not thing that many. I honestly remember him doing. I remember two Avery Williamson plays from this past season. I remember the uh, the strip on uh, Jack Doyle on Monday Night Football, and I remember mm-hmm. yelling at the television after he was in man coverage on Marquise Lee. Those are the two Williamson right. moments I remember. Nothing else. Uh, and I can give you like then, ten Corey Davis moments, and he didn't have a good season. <laughs> And then also when Avery Williamson was left one on one with Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, oh, that was awesome. My goodness. Uh, and ended up in a touchdown. Just ran straight by. So he, yeah, he, he couldn't cover anyone. It, it, it was bad, and especially for uh, Mike Vrabel and Dean Pease, who want to be uh, very multiple, very versatile, versatile on defense. Um, it really didn't make any sense to bring him back, especially at, at the number that he. Uh, that he went at seven point five million dollars a year, sixty million guaranteed is is uh, excessive um, for a two down linebacker. Yeah, so I, I have a lot of uh, thoughts on this. I, I like Avery Williamson as a person. He sounds, you know, he's a local product. He's a fifth round guy. It, it, it was good to get him, and I think he had a really good first couple of years. Somewhere along the way, I think somebody told him that he needed to be better in coverage. So either he lost weight or he just approached his off seasons differently or something. But what used to be a strength, which was tackle to tackle run stuffing, disappeared and his coverage didn't get any better. So now you've had a guy who was a fan favorite and fans really liked and got behind, but who couldn't do the thing that made him stand out. And you kind of were left with a guy that people liked who didn't have a home on your defense. Um, so we got a lot of starts because – the Titans didn't draft any linebackers how to replace him. But then last year they got Jayon Brown, and you had Jayon Brown and Wesley Woodyard. And from about the second or third week of the preseason, you could tell that that was the linebacking pair that made the most sense on this defense, especially when we were in that uh, Dick LeBeau you know, defense where you needed guys to go sideline to sideline more. So I, I don't know if he can get that run-stuffing ability back, but when – Kareem Hunt drives you two yards deep in the end zone in a playoff game to really kind of put you behind the eight ball. You know, I think they were 14 up 14 zero after that. You know, when that happens to you in one of the biggest stages of your career, it's a bad look. And, it, you know, in the same game to get beat by Travis Kelsey, that we've talked about, it's, it's hard to really defend him resigning with the Titans at this point. So it was good that he got a job somewhere else. I'm glad he's got a long-term Job, you know, job with the Jets, and maybe they can fit him better because they've got some different pieces, and they, they've got a defensive-minded coach too who may think he's a good fit. But there was just no reason to re-sign him in Tennessee. It, I couldn't see where he was going to get playing time this year without hurting the team. Uh, do the Jets play a four-three? Because I feel like he's more of a fit in a four-three than when Ian Rappaport tweeted about Williamson. He said there, he called them a three-four. Which, so I mean, I, I don't know that I can name anybody other than Leonard Williams on their defensive that's, line. That's what I'm going to say is I think Leonard hmm. Williams is kind of the reason why Avery Williamson might make sense is because he's such a disruptor, right. and I think they want to play him on the edge. And Well, I mean, kind of they'll move him around the line, but I think Avery Williamson, when he gets behind Leonard Williams, should have kind of that, you know, extra half second to see stuff because he just demands so much attention and he's so big that maybe you can argue that those oh, two yeah. together can, I don't know. 
Um, it, it is a 3-4 because it's Todd Bowles. So yeah. He yeah. usually runs that. So let's hit on uh, a couple of the players that the Titans extended and decided to keep. They extended three, David King, Daquan Jones, and uh, Josh Klein. Let's talk quickly about the two defensive linemen, and then I want to talk for a little bit about the guard position. Um, but uh, Daquan Jones and, and David King, King kind of took over the Carl Klug role last year, and it's probably with his athleticism and youth more of a fit for a variable front multiplicity scheme than Carl Klug would have been. And so the Titans parted way with Klug to open up cap space. Uh, but the Daquan Jones extension, I think that's one that we all saw coming. I think it's one that we all wanted because Daquan Jones has gotten better every single year. We know what he is, and what he is is a starting defensive lineman that is good against the run and has the ability to get after the quarterback. You don't really find those guys very often. And so I think it was smart for the Titans to lock him up, even though they did pay a lot for him, three years, $21 million. He has been a, a key piece of their defense. And um, even if they get, you know, in Dominic Sue and after they've kind of released some guys, a real strength of this Titans defense for the past couple of years has been their their depth on the interior of the defensive line. You've got Austin Johnson, who was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, um, Jones, Sylvester Williams has since departed, but you also have Antoine Woods on the practice squad. Uh, they had to cut Angelo Blackson a couple years ago just because they didn't have a spot for him. Uh, so with retaining King and, and Daquan Jones, and even with the possibility of, of Ndamukong Sue, uh, that remains a strength on this team, the depth at defensive line. Oh, and Jarrell Casey, I forgot to mention yeah, him too. Uh, right, that, that guy. Uh, pretty important, <laughs> important player in the front seven. Um, I'm glad they're keeping the the defensive line together because it was arguably the biggest strength on the team last season, uh, and really over the past two seasons, the run defense has been fantastic, uh, and Daquan Jones has had a lot to do with that. Um, and towards the before he got injured last last season, uh, Jones was showing a, a little bit of pass rush ability, which he hadn't shown to this point in his career. Um, so the Titans probably saw that and. And maybe they think they could they could turn him into that uh, five to seven sack guy to go along with that uh, fantastic run defending which which he's capable of. Uh, David King, I honestly I, I don't know much about. Uh, we do have a David King expert. Uh, his name is Will. Um, <laughs> he'll be coming up soon, and he'll talk about him. Uh, but I really am glad the defensive line is being kept together. Uh, now that Sly Williams is gone. Who, who? Um, actually, I didn't think he was that terrible last season. He, he wasn't. Me, whatever. But he, he was making too much money. That was an awful contract. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I said at the time that I did not understand that contract whatsoever. Um, but, uh, but he, he was fine. He was a fine rotational lineman. Um, I'm not sure if defensive line will really be a need going forward. Uh, if the Titans don't get in Dominic Sue, uh, I, I could definitely see them adding through the draft or maybe through free agency just another rotational lineman. Uh, possibly a, a bigger guy, a bigger nose tackle. Well, Jonathan Hankins is, is out there now. Uh, he was surprisingly released by the Colts, um, and he would really fit in uh, in Dean P's defense. Seems like the kind of, and also I think I think Vrabel might have coached him when they were at Ohio State together. So definitely some connections there. Yeah. So the way to look at this defensive line right now is kind of like the way you should. You know, we just talked about him. Is uh, you should look at it like the Jets before they drafted Leonard Williams, is they can be a really good defensive line, how they're built now, but if you get that extra piece, you can have one of the top three defensive lines in football. 
if you have starters that are Daquan Jones and Dominican Sue and Jarrell Casey, I, I don't think there's many defensive lines in the NFL over the last couple of years that are as talented as that. Um, but you know, we, we all know how good Sue can be and we don't know if we're going to get him yet or, you know, so I'll kind of push that to the side. Um, Carl Klug got cut and I'm, we may talk about that later. I don't know, but I do know that on as early as October, I was tweeting that Carl Klug and David King had a lot of similarities in their game. The only difference is that King is younger and seemed to have just, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, he looked like, I mean, he just looked like Carl. Klug. I mean, he looked like Carl Klug, but he just wasn't getting the snaps because, you know, Carl Clue was the senior guy. He worked hard, and Mike Malarkey rewarded that, which I don't, I don't think is necessarily a terrible thing to reward hard work over a long period of time. But I think this was the right move this season as much as I like Carl Clue. Um, they're the same type of guy, so they're kind of that, I'm going to come in and I'm going to play as hard as I can until the whistle blows, and then I'm going to be the guy that gets the last push. So – it, you know, he's probably going to win or lose with his first step and his ability to kind of get inside the body of an offensive lineman and drive him back. But, you know, the Titans traded their seventh-round pick for him last year. If they would have drafted him in the seventh round and he'd have been as productive as he was last year, that's probably a win. So I think he's a good depth piece, and I think he's just, you know, you just need to think of him as a younger version of Carl Klug. Um with that being said, you know, you still behind behind those uh, top two that we talked about, Casey and uh, Jones, you've got Austin Johnson, who's really good. You know, King's there. Woods is kind of floating around. I, is it, it's Woods, right? It's not Wood. Woods. Antoine Woods. Antoine Woods. Yeah. Um, so it, he's, he's floating around there. I think they could afford to bring in one more body, you know, whether it's Sue, like, you know, like we talked about, or, you know, anybody else is, is fine. They could draft somebody. Well, if they don't bring in I, Sue, they're going to have to bring in somebody, whether it be through the draft or otherwise. Well, they need a nose. By the way, and, uh, Ken Dodd's still out there, by the way. Position? I don't know if you guys. Who's this? I don't oh, know if you guys need <laughs> Kevin Dodd's still out there, man. He yeah. was making some plays towards the end of the season yeah. as an actual like defensive lineman with his hand in the ground, which is what he. Yeah, is. I mean, I guess, I guess that's an option. And I'm a male but, model. Yeah, <laughs> just because you know how to use Snapchat and hit Don't a filter, right? Don't let people right. hold you, Luke. So I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I said, if we're gonna have to add somebody. It's just is you know I think the dream is to get Sue, and you don't have to take anybody in this draft because now you're too deep, pretty much across the board. But uh, you know, if they don't get Sue, it won't be the end of the world. They still have a good defensive line. But I'm of the mind where you need to add elite talent through any means necessary. So if it's a defensive tackle, good, go get your defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, move to the interior of the other side of the ball, the uh, guard position. We, before we started recording, had kind of a long discussion about the philosophy of the offensive guard position. And so I'm sure Will will have a lot to say about this topic. But it it has become clear, contrary to what some people, me included, might have thought, that the Titans are um, okay with having Josh Klein and Quentin Spain 
be their offensive guards. They gave Josh Klein a multi-year contract extension and a tendered uh, Quentin Spain an offer as a restricted free agent. So unless another team makes an offer, which they would have right of first refusal anyway, but unless that happens and they don't uh, and they don't match it, uh, Quentin Spain is going to be this team's left guard next year. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that decision? I know we talked a lot about how. Uh, Klein was a big misfit in Mike Malarkey's system, but he might be better in a in a zone scheme. Uh, so, what are you guys' thoughts on that? The fact that they uh, decided to uh, to go for Klein in Spain again instead of maybe trying to grab uh, Josh Sitton, Justin Pugh. Obviously, they were never going to pay for Andrew Norwell, but maybe one of those other guys. Yeah, no, that Norwell contract is is just a little insane for a guard um and i'm not really surprised that john robinson chose to uh chose to resign Klein and tender spain um i don't know how they feel about spain to be honest a tender is not exactly like a glowing a glowing <laughs> endorsement um so we'll see how they truly feel about him he, he was he was very up and down he struggled with injuries from time to time but but i mean he's fine uh klein started out really well last season um, and it kind of tailed off towards it, towards the end. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how I feel about him. I mean, people are saying that this, this, the blocking scheme change is gonna, is gonna go in his favor. Uh, and I'm assuming John Robinson feels the same way because he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have extended him if, uh, if that wasn't the case and that wasn't his thought process. So I, I could definitely see him adding a guard, maybe an interior offensive lineman through the draft. Um, especially with Ben Jones uh, kind of struggling last season, um, so I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm not expecting them to sign anyone else really, um, and maybe uh, Corey Levin actually uh, can can uh, can fight for a starting spot in in um, in, in the off season in training camp. Uh, that that that'd be good because uh, a lot of people did like him coming out. Uh, we didn't really get to see much of him except for in the preseason, and you can't really judge players when they're playing against third stringers. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, so uh, Jim Coburn, friend of the podcast, does a lot of stuff with uh, offensive line athleticism. And, who who which will is, be coming on the show next month, by the way. Yeah, it, which is something I'm really looking forward to. It should be really fun. Um, he does a lot of stuff with the flexibility and explosion and kind of judging offensive linemen and figuring out what historically has worked. The six offensive linemen, if you include Corey Levin, uh, that the Titans have are, I think, the most athletic group of six offensive linemen in the NFL. So a zone scheme always made the most sense for them. So if you've got to go ahead and have Corey Levin fight it out with those other two, which I think is a good idea. You know, I, I think competition is healthy i think it helps especially in the interior of the line where you also have dennis kelly who can swing inside if he need be well okay here's here's another thing um be the biggest guard ever well remember how they move the offensive tackle sometimes Mm -hmm. that's it's weird to me that uh they didn't extend him or give him some kind of bigger deal because at one point now it's a different coaching staff but they liked him enough to play him uh, behind Taylor Lewan when uh, Lewan went down. What was it? Two years ago, um, with the shoulder injury. So, and he he played fine in, in kind of sparing you know sparing snaps. But I've I've always thought that Spain was a guy that made a lot of sense to extend you know last year or this year. So for them not to give him some kind of big tender or to extend him was was weird to me. But 
anyway, um, I think having those three compete for the guard spot, people, people don't worry about Ben Jones. Ben Jones is a good center. He really helps with protection. He does a good job in the run game. Don't don't he's not losing his job. So now you've got to worry about Corey Levin um, fighting for a guard spot. And like I said, he's very athletic. He was uh, something like one point away, which uh, uh, Coburn uses uh, like a hundred point scale. He was like one point away from being all pro athleticism at all three of his uh, marks. He hit two of them, but he missed one by one point, which is about as good as you can hope for in a day day two or day one prospect, much less a day three guy. So I would expect them now that he's kind of had a year to adjust to really let him compete for that job. And maybe that's why they didn't extend in Spain is because they think that Levin can take that spot over this year or next year. But I don't know. I, I think the zone, the zone scheme will really help everybody on the team. I, I mean, it seems like it's a much better fit for the entire offensive line it lends to play action really well, which should help Marcus. The running backs both seem like a better fit for a zone scheme. So if you can get the play action going, it helps all the wide receivers. It made no sense to me why we didn't run some more zone stuff last year, and we talked about it on the podcast. But seeing that more should help that offensive line look like they did two years ago rather than last year. So let's talk about some new additions to the Titans. We have two confirmed ones so far. Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis, both former New England Patriots. Let's talk about the uh, the Butler signing first, because this was the one that I was um, personally the most skeptical about, because Butler was not very good last year. The Super Bowl incident was a little scary, and he is making a lot of money on a team that already has two starting cornerbacks. However, the more I think about it, the more this reminds me of Sort of, not not quite as talented, but the same kind of setup that the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos had a couple years back with three starting cornerbacks and Chris Harris, Aqib Tlaib, and Bradley Roby. And the Titans got to have that now in Logan Ryan and Dory Jackson mm-hmm. and Malcolm Butler. So if Butler is able to reach the form that he saw back in 2015 and even 2016 when he was uh, an all-pro and a pro bowler, um, that really solidifies the defensive backfield to the point where you know, you, you go into a game, you say, all right, you're going to play slot Logan Ryan. You're going to uh, play against, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Malcolm Butler, and Adore Jackson. You have Will Fuller, and we're just going to let you all do that and play man, and we're going to forget about you and worry about stunts and everything at other positions. So it really provides them with a lot of flexibility and also the ability to be much more aggressive up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first saw the money, uh, I was a little – Taken aback, yeah. I thought it was a, a bunch of money. I mean, five for sixty-one seems <laughs> seems like a lot. Um, but w- once you dig more into it and you see how much uh, how much money other players are making, um, especially even other cornerbacks. I mean, Tremaine Johnson is making like twenty-six million dollars this year. Um, when you add uh, all, all of the costs together, which is ridiculous. Um, so Tremaine Johnson I, I think is making twenty-six up... million dollars this year. Yes. What is he really? Yeah, it's like when you add in the signing bonus and all that, it adds up to like $26 million. I guess it must be like a front-loaded contract or something like that. Yeah, but the the Jets were supposed to do that contract with uh, Kirk Cousins that way, (laughs) which was supposed to. So that that makes sense for them. They are trying to front-load because they have so much cap space. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's 26 mil this year, 8 million next year, and then 11 million in 2020. 
Wow. And then a potential out, and then 13 and 14.5 the next two years. That is That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. And uh, for a guy who's the same age as Malcolm Butler, too, they're both 28. Um, sneaky, sneaky 28s, because by the end of these contracts, they're going to be 33 years old. Um, and in the NFL, 33 is, is not exactly kind to you. Unless you're uh, a Terrence so we'll Newman. See how... Yeah. Right. I, what, what is he, like 40? He's still... He's 40, I think. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I, I the more I've thought about it, the more uh, I'm okay with this signing. Uh, we'll see how how it does pan out. But like you said, in 2015 and 2016, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, he was a bit up and down last year. Um, but I mean, if you if you go by PFF ratings, and, and even if you just saw him during during 15 and 16, you know what he can bring to your defense. Um, since since 2015, there's a, a PFF stat. He has 44 pass breakups and interceptions uh, combined, uh, and that's the second second most among all cornerbacks. So uh, that's what he can bring to your defense, and especially when you when you add in a Dory Jackson who seemed to break up every single pass that came his way last season. I'm not sure if he led the league in pass breakups, but he must have been at least top five. Um, and Logan Ryan's just so solid in the slot. I think this is uh, this has the potential to be a top five. Uh, cornerback trio also real quick before you chime in will you know i'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as revis because revis is an a once in a generation kind of player but butler is someone who played under darrell revis during his rookie season and his playing style is pretty similar that physical press undersized man coverage corner who he's not gonna outrun many people and he's not bigger than anybody but he will play you physically and he is very sticky yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think this is almost more about uh, Dean Pease than it is about anything else. So last year, uh, Dean Pease had three defensive backs who averaged two sacks, um, which is rare. It, it shows you that you're being aggressive with how you send your defensive backs because you don't get sacks on you know run plays, obviously. So that means in passing plays, you're blitzing either your corners or your safeties. So now that you have three corners that can, you know, actually play in man and, you know, you don't have to worry about them, it gives you the flexibility to line everybody up like you're going to play in man and then blitz whoever in that slot role or blitz somebody from the wide side of the field, you know, short side of the field. You know, it gives you some flexibility to be more aggressive and less predictable in your defensive coverages. So first and foremost, it gives him essentially three extra places to blitz from. Uh, now that you have, but which you couldn't do that if you had Bryce McCain. If Bryce McCain or LaShawn Sims were your third corner, as much as I think LaShawn Sims is a good fourth corner, like, you know, there's worse people if you have an injury up top to plug in than him, but you couldn't leave him one on one on an island and feel comfortable blitzing some blitz in a safety and going, you know, one high coverage. Like, you just, you just couldn't do it. So now you get the freedom to, you know, you can play Kevin Byard in the box and send him if, you know, you're playing Jacksonville and you think you're going to get that. You can do that with Cyprian now. So it, it gives you flexibility there first and foremost. Um, second of all, he's – okay, so if you take what uh, Malcolm Butler's total deal is, he's the 10th highest paid corner. So in, what, three years when we're halfway through his deal, he'll be the 20th highest paid corner because corners aren't getting cheaper. They're getting more and more expensive every year. 
And, you know, you're going to have to pay a guy like uh, Marcus Peters a bunch of money. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of guys who cash in over that time. So everybody gets so concerned with the numbers and what they look like now. But I promise with the cap going up $10 million or more every year and with these premium positions getting more and more expensive, all these deals sort of kind of fade to the background once you see, you know, the next wave of deals. So I, I like Malcolm Butler. I think it helps now that you have – uh, I think Malcolm Butler described it as I take the fast guy, he takes the big guy when they talked about how he and Logan used to trade off responsibilities. I think it helps to have that kind of flexibility when you're moving guys into the slot and out of the slot. To, and don't you know, forget combat. about Dory Jackson, who was no. Pro Bowl caliber last year. Yeah, and Adoree, yeah. Adoree. He's great. That's why I think it makes a lot of sense is because Adoree was a boundary corner first and foremost. And when they, the Titans played the Chiefs, they moved him inside in the slot against uh, Tyreek Hill and Granted, it killed him. Because I don't know that Deion Sanders could cover Tyreek Hill one on one. That's fair. That's fair. And that, and that with that two get two way go that you get from the slot, it's hard to do. So putting a guy who never plays in the slot and moving him over to the slot was one of the many reasons why I couldn't stand the way Dick LeBeau was calling his defenses because it just puts you at such an obvious mismatch. But you had to because. The other option was put Logan Ryan there or put Bryce McCain there, and one didn't have the speed, and the other one was Bryce McCain. So, you know, now you've got the option of, okay, if they're going to play it like that, we can leave a Dory on the boundary and move Malcolm Butler into the slot, and now you've got speed versus speed that works. Even though he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, he's dealt with speedy wide receivers in the past. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the if you're looking at it from purely a playoff perspective standpoint, it gives gives you the option of, you know, not putting yourself in those bad situations like you've had to versus the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, and signing Butler completely eliminates a need. Well, not eliminates, but it fills need. Um, so now forget about cornerback in the draft. That's not happening. Exactly. Uh, and mean, now, is now there, you're— Is there any team in the NFL, maybe other than, like, the Rams— who have four starting caliber cornerbacks in Shields, Peters, Tlaib, and uh, Gaines. Is there anybody in and the Roby NFL? Uh, yeah. Is there anybody in the NFL other than the Rams that are more comfortable with their entire cornerback core than the Titans? Your top three are Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, and Logan Ryan. And then after that, you have LaShawn Sims, who has starting experience. You have Ty Smith, who was a pretty good nickel mm-hmm. last year. And you have Kalen Reed, who... You know who knows what, but that's a really good. Cool and Demontre Hurst is, yeah, Demontre Hurst is still out there too. So I mean, the, these guys that were getting so much playing time last season and the year before that, so guys like Lashawn Sims, um, and Ty Smith, uh, Bryce McCain's gone, thank God. Um, but those guys, they were always four number four and number five cornerbacks who were being pigeonholed into number two or number yep. three guys just because we didn't have the talent. And, you know, um, across we, the NFL, that kind of happens a lot. Sometimes you get lucky like the Jaguars did with Aaron Colvin this past year. But, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. And with M- M- McCain last year, it was not working. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't even want to talk about Bryce McCain. It was just infuriating. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I'm a little upset that guys like Kalen Reed, who who we always want to see play a lot, uh, won't get as much playing time. Um, but it, it's an absolute luxury, especially in today's NFL. They have so many cornerbacks who can just step in and contribute. Um, and Kalen Reed has played some safety before, so we can see him be moved out there. 
Hopefully, not LaShawn Sims, though, because he can't track the ball in the air. Yes. <laughs> except, when, except when he has, like, the game-winning interception. Which was insane. I still can't believe that yeah. happened. Um, I can't either. Let, let's move to the other side of the ball and talk about uh, the new shiny running back in the Titans' backfield. That's Dion Lewis, who I didn't realize uh, ran for a lot of yards this past year in that crowded backfield. He ran for, like, 800 yards for mm-hmm. the Patriots. Um Greg Cosell, think of him what you will, says that Deion Lewis is going to be this team's primary back. I don't know that that's going to happen. I do think it is pretty likely that if not 50-50, it's going to be pretty, you know, 55-45, 60-40, Henry and Lewis. The, Lewis is not here, and they are not paying Lewis to be the backup, to be a spell back. They are paying him to play on third downs, to be a change of pace, but also some drives we're going to say this is Deion Lewis drive and this is Derrick Henry's drive and he's such an opposite running back of Derrick Henry whereas Henry you know is that big you know is powerful in the open field kind of back with a lot of speed Lewis is hard to tackle in that when he's so small but two he's got that low center of gravity and his lateral agility is just incredible so it's going to open up a lot in the passing game. It's going to open a lot uh, running inside zone in this zone running scheme. I just I think this is a home run signing. Perfect fit, Deion Lewis, to the Titans. More so than even Butler. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved this signing. I loved watching Deion Lewis play last season. Um, he g- got eased in a little bit uh, at the beginning because um, he had suffered a knee injury in the Super Bowl, um, which was really sad. Uh, because he was killing in the Super Bowl before that, uh, but he finally uh, got he got eased in a little bit, and then he's really started to, to take over as the main as the main back uh, for the Patriots because Mike Gillisley was offering absolutely nothing Killed to them. Killed the Titans. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, Deion Lewis was ridiculous. We couldn't stop him, but no, no one could stop him. He was one of the best backs in football last season. Um, and if you don't believe me, you can you can go to the metrics. He broke. A, ridiculous amount of tackles um pff had him as a top five running back um and it really wasn't a fluke um for his small stature uh like you said he has that low center of gravity and he just bounces off tacklers in addition to that he is one of the most elusive electric um runners there is um either in the running game or in the passing game and in the passing game in particular he's so smooth uh such a good catcher catcher of the ball um, I'm just, I'm so excited. And especially in Matt LaFleur's offense that we saw last year, just use Todd Gurley on the same exact play out of the backfield. Um, that on the slip, slip screen, screen is that what you're talking about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Unstoppable. So if we could get a couple of those, um, throughout the season, that is going to be, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun from someone. All three of us attend a lot of live sporting events. I know you go to a lot of Miami games, uh, Matthias, every now and then you see a performance and you just kind of feel blessed. Like, like in the sense of like something has been sprinkled on you and you've just been blessed by something. And I had that feeling when I watched Todd Gurley run by me on that long touchdown and it was just like, and he was gone. I was like, I feel blessed. Like he's insane, man. Todd Gurley for such a large human being, he flies. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I haven't seen too many um, like dominant players, but that was one of the most dominant performers I've ever seen in my life. Not even just live, just just in general. Yeah, it's hard to watch. 
Um, <laughs> it was in person. I, I'm not. I'm not always as excited about uh, just the general achievements of other people when it comes at the expense of the Titans. It's always ha- a hard pill for me to swallow. Like that weird 360 corkscrew spin overtime touchdown that uh, the Colts had against the Titans. I, I did not enjoy that at all a few years ago. So um, I don't know. It's still kind of burned in my memory. One of like my least favorite sporting moments, even though like not many people remember it but um cool for him he did something athletic but back to Deion lewis like i i think he was kind of the quintessential guy that we thought john robinson was going to have as the crown jewel of this free agency class it, it made so much sense that he would be the guy who you know would come in and compliment uh henry and just be that guy i mean he's a spe- you know he's played special teams before he's been a returner last year Last year, not not like ten years, like not four years ago or anything. Last year, he had a kick return for a touchdown. Pretty sure yeah. he Seven and uh, Alvin Kamara were the only players in the NFL to catch, run for, and return a touchdown. Yeah, that that makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, he's he's very dynamic in space. When you watch him, it's not it's not that he's exceptionally fast, which he is, but. It's not like when you watch Tyreek Hill and he doesn't have to worry about angles. It's more like he sets people up and he sets his blocking up really well. Um, he's not Chris like Johnson in that he's almost. Yeah, like he'll have a couple of runs where he dives into the pile and spins out and finds open space and runs for ten yards. But it's more like he'll go and it'll be just an ISO play and he'll run up to the line and he'll find a hole and bounce and run. And all you'll see is him pop out on the other side and won't know what happened and he'll get a yard gain. So um, I think he's kind of the perfect fit. Um, um, the Warren, I think his name's Warren Sharp, something sharp um, was on the midday 180, I believe. It was some, some Our group favorite of radio show. Yeah, some group on 104.5 had him in for an interview, and uh, he talked about Deion Lewis and how important it was to get him the ball on first downs because uh, he had the highest success rate on first downs of any running back in the league. And what that meant was when he gets the ball either on a run or or a catch on first down, he either converts for a first down or the next play converts for a first down. Those two combined for what they what they call a success rate. So he led the league in that combination, which is insane when you think about guys like Le'Veon Bell, who seemingly like make things happen out of thin air. I mean, he was you know if you get him the ball on first down, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to get a first down. You know, in two plays. So. That sort of thing, and he kind of talked about the misconception of a third-down running back, quote-unquote, in terms of a swing pass or something like that to him. He said that's one of the least effective things you can do. But on the other side, a swing pass to a running back on first down is the most effective route and uh, position that you can have. So Almost as effective as an end-around to Eric Decker. Or to Delaney Walker. Um, So like (laughs) It worked worked that one time. (laughs) <laughs> if it did work that one time, um, that's it though. That, that that's kind of the story of the Mike but, Malarkey's <laughs> offense. You watch a play and you're like, "Well, it worked one time." That that yeah. is that's great. I mean, he he fully believes that every play he calls is the exception to the rule, which is great <laughs> because that's all now. Um, but like Lafleur, on the other hand, firmly believes, like we talked about with screen passes and stuff like that. 
and that's the way he was used correctly. So to see him get a guy who, for as, as fun as Derrick Henry is to watch when they find a way to get him the ball in space and get him five yards of steam, it, that's that's not never going to happen consistently in the NFL. But Deion Lewis is a guy who, on a screen pass, uh, I watched this today, he catches the ball on a screen pass where he ends up running into the offensive tackle because the left tackle takes a weird uh, kind of route to try to get to the outside. He runs in an offensive tackle, catches the ball, turns around, and finds a way to get behind his center and gets to touch like a 20-yard touchdown. It, it's very mm-hmm. impressive what he can do in confined areas, even though he's not the biggest or most athletic player. So, I, like I said, I think he's kind of the ideal uh, John Robinson free agent, and it just so happens that he was a Patriot first. Yeah, and uh, to add to that ideal John Robinson free agent he's also a really nice kind and humble guy and it really came across in his press conference and another thing about him he's also a fantastic pass blocker um something that derrick henry has uh, notably struggled with to this point in his career something that demarco murray was really good at um but now that with demarco gone Deion lewis is going to be uh really important in that aspect yeah um all right, let's talk about the elephant in the room and Dominican Sue. Um, this podcast is going out at like 5 Central on Sunday afternoon, March the 18th. So there's a chance that by the time you're listening to this, and Dominican Sue has either signed with the Titans or another team. But let's kind of talk about this from the perspective we're currently at, which is I believe he might still be in Nashville. He might be on a plane. I don't know. But the Titans have a lot of interest in him. And. You know, he's a really good football player. However, John Robinson is not going to allow himself to get cap-strapped by bringing in a defensive tackle. I like Sue. You know, for he does have attitude problems on the field as far as, like, after the whistle stuff. But it's more along the lines of, like, what Taylor Lewan used to do. This he's not He's not, you know, getting DUIs or anything like that. So, I mean, the fan in me would have no problem with them signing him. But the logic in me, I just don't know that it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I Will, you probably think much differently than I do. <laughs> I, I do. Matias, you can go first. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there's a, kind of a made-up stat that's called... Um... PFF? <laughs> no, it- it's called uh, impact plays or something like that. Let me find it real quick so I can give kind of real numbers on it. Um, I'll talk. Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, we're not going to get priced out of Indomitongsu just because we have so much money. Uh, but it's possible that at, at a certain point, he's just asking for way too much. Uh, there was a report uh like around the time he got released that his main goal was just to get yeah, the most money I saw that. even though he's making a bunch of money as it is so i don't think his priorities are are on like to find a contender um so we'll see how that plays out i mean i would love to have him just because he's he's a blue chip player uh and you can't have you can't have too many of those on your team um but I mean, I, I don't. It, it seems like a weird kind of fit. No, I mean, we have Daquan Jones, we got Austin Johnson, we got Jarrell Casey. The thing, a the lot thing, of these guys, you have know, very I, similar. I said the builds. same thing a couple days ago, but then they released um, Sylvester Williams, 
and, right, right. and Carl yep. Klug. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, well, I mean, we kind of said it earlier, if it's not Sue, they're going to add someone at that position just because now they have a hole. Um, yeah, I don't know. You're paying Daquan Jones a lot of money. Are you going to sign Sue and then make Daquan Jones your nose tackle, which is a position he's never played before? I mean, uh, I guess Austin Johnson can play some nose tackle, but... But are, are you going to pay Daquan Jones $7 million a year to be a two-down player at best? Well, no, because we're going to trade Kevin Dodd and then get a, a a an amazing wide receiver in return. Right. So. Um, okay, so I found what I was looking for. Um, okay. okay, so that kind of impact... Uh, Defensive play is a combination of tackles for loss and sacks. Um, there's something like 45 people on this list with uh, 14 or more, and the only Titans player on this list is Drew Casey. So Derek Morgan didn't hit 14 tackles for loss or sacks combined, and neither did Brian Arakpo. Um, Indomitian Sue is the highest – uh, yeah, it has the highest total of a defensive tackle with 23 and a half. Oh. What did Aaron Donald Kate, have? Uh, Aaron Donald had... 23.49. Two. So he had, he had one and a half. He had a hundred. Aaron Donald had a hundred. Yeah, he had... Uh, now, <laughs> the difference is, is Aaron Donald had 11 sacks and 11 tackles for loss. So it looks like he had... I mean, it, you would expect him to have a whole bunch more because he had a bunch of sacks but he didn't have as many tackles for loss. And Dominican Sue had 19 tackles for loss last year. So it kind that's of... That's insane. Like, that's... It is insane. So it's a list... For the Dolphins, by the way. What yeah. Let us just say. What he watched, who everybody is convinced that he took plays off and whatever. So to put that in perspective, <laughs> more tackles for loss and sacks combined, which are negative plays, which are essentially the same thing. Sacks are terrible and they, they hurt you, but so do tackles for loss. So he had more than Demarcus Lawrence, more than Cameron Jordan, more than Michael Bennett, more than Justin Houston, more than Aaron Donald, more than Khalil Mack, more than Jason Pierre-Paul, more than Damon Harrison, more than, more than Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, more than either of our guys, more than Joey Bosa. So all these guys who are considered blue chip or really high or ascending young players, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. He had more than all those guys, and there's this there's this idea that you know, and we we were just talking about it a second ago is where do you find a fit for him? I mean, honestly, if if we're looking at this, with, you know, completely without emotion, it doesn't matter. He's your as soon as you sign him, he's your best defensive lineman. And as much as much as I love Casey, and and I do like Casey, I was about to, all, I was about to ask, do you think he's better than Casey? Because I don't. Okay, well, you say I, that. But we Ooh, all talked about tough. how there were, we all talked about last year how there were stretches of time where it felt like Casey didn't make a single tackle for loss. I mean, yeah. there, there were big stretches. Uh, if they of bring games Sue in it, here, he's going to be making some tackles for losses because you can't double both of them. Sure, but but people weren't doubling anybody else on that defensive line when he was playing in Miami. Well, so, Cameron Wake maybe. Dolphins. Yeah, but you don't really. It's not, it's not really the Teams same thing. Teams don't even though. game plan for the Dolphins. They're like, "Oh, we're playing the Dolphins this week. That's a dub. We'll just move on to the next but, opponent." <laughs> which may, you're not may, scared of Andre Branch making nine million dollars a year? I don't I mean, know who that is, to be completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
That's, that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, the point is, is like if you're looking for an impact player on defense in the front seven, there were only eight people that had more tackles, people like Vaughn Miller and Chandler Jones and Calais Campbell, who had more um, impact plays than uh, than Sue did. So the short answer is, is where does he play on defense? Anywhere you can find a spot for him because you should build your mm-hmm. defense around him. And – to, to talk a little bit more about like this stigma around him, this negative stigma, um, I don't know where these reports are coming from or like fan reports that that he took plays off. Who was watching Dolphins games on a, <laughs> on a consistent basis? Aside from the one that <laughs> the Titans like, played in. I would have right, taken right. plays off in that game. I would have been like, oh, Matt Castle's quarterback. I can get some rest today, boys. That was awful. Horrible game. And, um, no, I mean, the, he, okay, so in the past he has had some instances on the field uh, where he's made some boneheaded mistakes. But um, I actually, I, I, I listened to an interview of his, uh, I can't remember, must have been like a year ago, uh, where he was on the Levitard show. Um, and he came across as a really nice, kind guy. And honestly, all of the reports that I've read about him, none of them have been negative at all in terms of his, his character and personality. So I think there's a lot of misinformation about him uh, as a person and, and about his effort uh, that people are just making up at this point. Yeah. Um, I want to close out talking about some other teams' free agent moves. Uh, but I do have one last Titans topic to address, and that is... As we sit here today on March the 18th, um, I personally see four positions of need left for the Titans. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.